You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Mike Pretz, Jack Kalin, Jason Dickinson, and Brian Colt. Brian is with an organization, Scott, by the name of KCSL, Keep Calm and Save Lives. But basically, he's a former PJ in transitional leave at this moment. He's been on, what, about five, six podcasts at least? I think this is number seven. Yeah, it's a big deal. You keep track of this? (laughs) Yeah, and the hours. Nerd! Nerd. (laughs) As I mentioned, Scott was on in the very beginning. Found a More than seven, by the way. Yeah, more than seven. Yeah. (laughs) Back in the day when we used to actually do the, yeah, (laughs) he was number two guest as a matter of fact. And back in the day when we used to do the show live, so that's how long Scott's been on here. When there was when there was expertise involved, yeah. Now that anybody, it started going downhill when Cat came on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna stay like this the entire time. You're gonna run 50 miles too, right after this. Yep. Well, first off, it's good to have you back, Scott, back on the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks. Yeah, man. And Kat, happy anniversary. Yeah, Kat, happy anniversary. That's Thanks. Sick. I know. No, it's fine. We're we talking about your marriage? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could okay. have anniversaries at work with those headphones because obviously those mean a lot to you. They um. do. Um, <laughs> no, to my, um, the other human in my life. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. No, but thank you, yeah. Um, he got me a, a Garmin watch. I don't know if that's supposed to be an insult or um, maybe I'm not good with directions, but it was nice. It was a nice gesture. Sweet decoys with skeletons. They came in. Oh, you got them. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I might just be like this Actually, the whole podcast. Yeah, they are sharp. Very sharp. That's the turquoise, the new turquoise. That's brand new. So, uh, look good, man. Look real good. Thanks. Oh, those are cool. I'm going to buy some of those because... Kyle has acquired your sunglasses, Kat. Yeah, they're with him in Arizona. Both of them? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Get you a pair of these turquoise. These are awesome. That's going to be my next pair as well. Nice. Those are cool. Yeah. I want to grow up and be just like Brian. Or grow down. (laughs) If I could have a penny for how many times people say that. (laughs) You would be 10 cents richer. No, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> talking, talking billions here. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a great podcast, I already can tell. I decided to pick the, the topic of respect because in observing other people, I start seeing they, they don't understand or don't get respect as a leader and the purpose behind it and how important it is. When you think about respect, it can go in so many different ways. Respect, loyalty, and trust are earned over time. And I think the most critical part of that whole thing was that over time. So it's not something that you're going to get automatically and don't assume that it's going to come automatically. But again, over time, if you do the right thing, then you'll be able to gain influence probably from others over the fact that you have earned their trust and their respect. Well, I don't want to jump like into like a super controversial, already like negative thing. But it seems like nowadays... Um, People just, you know, expect to have it. And especially with, like, the influx of new demographics, like, such as women in combat arms. I just feel like, especially nowadays, that people just feel like they're entitled to it. And they don't really understand that they have to earn it. And when they get 
I don't know, when somebody looks down upon them or they're not like click, feel, you know, fitting in with the click, they immediately jump to, well, I'm a woman, well, I'm, you're attacking me because of this special thing that they think that they have. Like, I'm not saying, I mean, we're all individuals. I don't want to like, you know, completely like pull all these different people, like target them. But I'm just saying, I mean, you guys give me your opinion. Like, do you feel like that's kind of sometimes the case where you're just like, you feel like you're forced into it? Whereas, I mean, that's tradition. Like, you know that you've had to be shit on to actually be looked at like, you know, you're an individual and a hard worker and someone that to look up to. Yeah, no, I can, I can get behind what you're saying. Absolutely. And as we say, you know, that it's something um, that you have to earn. Uh, I think of people that I admire without even have met them because they did something, you know, that I uh, regard as like a high action or yeah, that I admire, you know, what they did and um, kind of with like what you're going down is it, it's with it being something that is truly earned and then maintained. It's almost um, an oxymoron when somebody is like demanding it from you because then that's not respecting your ability to give somebody your respect. Those are great points, both of you. I mean, but, you know, Robert's saying the definition is earned over time, and then Brian, you're saying people instantly demand it, right? It's going back to this whole belief that we're a society that is chock full of, you know, instant gratification. You know, I, I graduated a school, therefore I demand your respect, and I should mm -hmm. be able to walk into the organization, the team room, the unit, whatever, and instantly gain that respect. And, and that's not how it works. I mean, there's positional respect of a title or an element, you know, because of what you're wearing in your collar or what, you know, your salary demands dictate from the organization. But that doesn't mean that you instantly get the respect of the people underneath you. You get their obedience, but you don't get their respect. Yeah, that's a totally different thing. And so, actually, Brian, further on in the definition, you hit it because it says you, it's, you're really admiring a person's abilities, qualities, or achievements. So if you're thinking that somebody, to your point, Scott, is going to all of a sudden walk in and have instant respect and admire for something that they know no, absolutely nothing about because they don't even know you as a person, you may respect in the military, you have to respect the rank, but that doesn't mean necessarily that person goes hand-in-hand in, hand in a lot of cases. But it's almost a double-edged sword because... Far too often we get respect within one community, right? Like I do something cool in the Air Force, I do something cool in the military, and, and I earn my peers' respect because of that. But that doesn't necessarily translate into other units, other organizations, and it definitely doesn't transition well. So sometimes we have to, you know, realize that with new positions and new gates and phase lines or pathways in life that that respect zeroes out and you have to start back over and, and regain it and, and start from scratch, which doesn't sit well with a lot of people. You know, you do something gallant, you get an award and everybody looks at you, salutes you and says, you know, man, that was awesome. And then all of a sudden nobody knows about that in your new civilian job and you don't have the respect of everybody. So yeah. it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the definition and I'm seeing, you know, like that feeling of deep admir admiration or... Um, for somebody elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. So I think, and I'm just going to pose this out there as a question, that our culture is, you know, finding this new normal of acceptance and respect in the same definition. What do you guys think? I think that goes to Kat's point, and that's also, I mean, that's exactly what Kat defaulted to was the, you know, we're, we're shifting as a society. I mean, we're shifting as a culture internationally, right? I mean, I live overseas, and, and I see that shift both, you know, from the macro lens of looking at it as a 
quote unquote foreigner, and I see it, you know, sitting in Tampa right now and being reengaged in it. And that culture, what becomes a lot of demands, and when when people get uncomfortable and they're not achieving the results that they want to, like Cat alluded to, and Cat, I'll turn this back over to you. They they default back to that I'm being attacked position. You're disrespecting me, and you're not respecting me. So the exact opposite of admiration and earned over time is that immediate disrespect and the negativity and the connotations that come from that. Yeah. No, I agree, and I I mean especially like when I entered the you know the whole special ops community, it was like I was surrounded by these hard charging females um, that were very good at their job well-equipped, um, you know, from just their position, their experience, all of that. But it seems like a lot of times, too, if you're walking into positions where you fit, like you said, like if you have all of these, your rank is higher, you have all of these schools, you have all of these awards, but you walk into a brand new environment and you know how that, like, the new anxiety of things is. It's like you have to feel the whole, the culture of the environment out. And I think, like, for me, especially moving into that community it was like we the best way that you're going to earn respect from me is not what's on your collar it's not what you've done how many times you've deployed is that you can do your job and do it correctly and i think that's like a great thing not just only you know for senior leaders to be teaching their subordinates but you know something that they're going to want to you know strive to be as like everyone's an, an equal especially when they're out on mission and doing something um, as a team. And it's so. figuring out on the fly, Brian, I'm sure you can talk to this in the Air Force community as well, right? But it's, it's figuring out on the fly what that cultural tolerance for respect is. You know, take when you came into the CST program, Kat, you know, was the respect gained when you passed through a selection and you were selected? Or was the, was the respect gained before you deployed and, and you were trained up? Or was the respect gained after deployment? So honest, realistic expectations are you're not going to be given the respect until you conduct yourself well in combat in Afghanistan attached to either soft or, or rangers, right? Um, but a lot of people have this false expectation, and I keep defaulting to that because it is a false expectation that I graduated SFAS or I graduated a selection or I graduated basic training or ANOC or whatever, and all of a sudden I demand your respect because I'm the new kid in town with a credential or certification or whatever. Same thing is true for any type of leader. I mean, um, we're talking individual, but we're also talking about leadership as well. To your point, Scott, you can't just walk in the room and all of a sudden demand instant respect. I mean, again, there's going to be some positional uh, respect that you're going to give an individual. But a lot of people may be missing the point here that the cornerstone of effective leadership really is being able to influence others. And so if you haven't earned that right or if you haven't, people don't understand your position and what you bring to the table and admire some of the qualities that you have, you're probably not going to be a person of influence either. I'll go back one step and say we all, all of us, because we're military, prior military, we default back to this leadership and respect that leaders earn, right? But respect is two ways. I mean, you can be a respected team member or you can be a respected team leader. So it doesn't mean a position of authority. It means that you're competent in what you do and that you earn that over, over time and value but yeah Robert I completely agree with you I mean I think that you know I just wanted to make that one point that respect is it should be constant it's like integrity right and it's like trust it should be growing all the time and evidence throughout whatever your actions are well we talk a lot about 360 degree leaders on uh, in this podcast on several different shows and that's basically being able to influence up down and sideways and so you know again respect and 
influence are two things that really kind of go hand in hand. It's kind of what we're talking about. And it does it regardless of position. You don't have to have the rank in order to gain influence or respect. Amen. Agreed. Yeah. And it's definitely something that's uh, like believing in something, maybe not necessarily an end point where you're like, yep, everyone's respecting me here, but sticking to your guns, like having character and becoming an expert and through the process, you know, it's, again, like, I think it's important to realize, you know, it takes time. You know, the respect isn't just, like, a wake up, yep, boom, everyone's recognizing you. Because, obviously, you know what you've done, and you you might feel that you deserve that recognition right there and that respect for those things. But it really takes, like, the patient professional to just realize, you know, people will adapt over time as they see your contribution to the mission and, you know, that, that respect is gained in, in that sense. Go back to the leadership uh, aspect of it, too, though. I mean, I've ran into leaders that don't understand that just because of their position, I'm talking about in the private sector as well, um, doesn't grant them that right. And so they end up ruling from the roost and, you know, back in the their ivory tower in their office and not understanding the importance of being out in front of the people and gaining that kind of respect from their subordinates because they're leading from the front. Um, or in terms of other leaders, when we talk about 360-degree leadership and influencing others, other leaders start seeing, um, getting a perception about you and, and how you don't take time to earn the respect or their, their trust and loyalty. And instead, uh, you may even go so far as to be making what they would perceive to be bad decisions. Now you start losing respect, trust, and loyalty. That goes along with um, like respect as far as like with toxic leadership. And something that I was just reading on here is how, like, people who walk into a position, like a command position or, you know, some higher level position um, that have, are very devoted, very intense, um, self-focused or narcissistic tend to be, tend to have those toxic leadership styles to where that it's hard to outgrow. So it's constantly trickling downhill and eventually like your organization is going to fall apart. So, um, just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Robert, I think that you really, no matter what position that you're in, you really need to like redefine how you're going to treat others regardless of your rank or your grade. So you hit something right there, uh, Kat, you know, I mean, it's really in a lot of cases, it begins very young and it could be influenced by, the culture that you're in and you're surrounded by, family, uh, peers that you associate through your career, your life, and uh, those social relationships. And so those things have an influence on you of how you treat other people. That way of treating other people is how you believe or perceive people should treat you as it relates to respect or how you're going to give it back. Yeah. And, And the gained respect with the team, you know, when a leader wants to you know, integrate with the guys, and it's it's more than just like being around them. It's and uh, you hear like leaders eat last, or leaders, yeah, leaders eat last, and and that kind of philosophy. But you know, being the guy who you're not you're not afraid to fail in front of your men. I feel like is one of the the greatest ways to gain respect by those who value it. You know, those who know what it's like, who's been there to fail, have other people's people watch and to trust that you're actually, you know, promoting um, the mission and promoting the ability for guys to know that they can, they can go for it um, and gain respect through, through trying. 
Well, I think that's a great point, Brian. I think that, you know, the and that ties back to something I was going to say a minute ago with Kat, and, and you nailed it right on the head, was, you know, the one word problem that respect deals with all time is ego, right? I mean, if you come to an organization, civilian or military, with an ego, that impacts the respect that you're going to gain in a timely fashion. And you keep saying the word process, and I love that because it's not a step-by-step process. Like, these are the checkboxes is, you know, the forks in the road, you get to earn respect, but it's, it's that ability to fail and to fail comfortably because you're true to who you are, you're self-aware, you're trustful, you're, you have integrity, and, and you're an honest person, you know, that does that. Those are all the qualities that lead to the gaining of respect over time. Sorry, Robert, go ahead. Well, no, what, one of the things that we do as leaders in the military, or at least, you know, good leaders do, is you set down, especially if you're a new individual, uh, but regardless, you set down your your staff or your the members of your team, and you get to learn a lot more about them. You learn about what makes them tick or what drives them, because what you're really doing is you're recognizing that they're people too, um, that they have basic needs that must be met. And so, in some cases, you need to identify those things that are going to help them enhance their performance. By doing that and building those types of relationships, I think that's where you start giving respect to them because you recognize those basic needs. They're a human when it comes down to the basic principle. Yeah. yeah and how do, what do you think about, like, you know, what if other leaders don't share the same perspective you do on how to gain respect with the men? Like what we're talking about, going out there, identifying the need with them and gaining their respect through what you find. If other leaders see it more as, you know, the laissez-faire method of just using their positional power to gain respect, how do you bridge that gap? You know, in uh, Inc. Magazine, there was an article about this kind of topic about respect and leadership and how uh, the importance of it, especially as a cornerstone. Some of the things that it talked about that maybe we, we're talking about here that we can expand upon is that it talks about being consistent. If you do what you say, people will recognize and respond to that. Of course, be punctual. In other words, recognize other people's time and that it's just as important as yours. Be responsive. So, in other words, be available, be open, be willing to listen to other people. Be right, to your point. Even admit that you are wrong on occasions. Forgive mistakes. For If you're going to forgive yourself, then you're going to have to forgive other people the same way. Show respect. In other words, give it back. And then be proactive. Understand that not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody is going to grow the same way. So be proactive in your approach and make sure that you're kind of open and willing um, to to bring others along and, and respect their current situation. Again, being respectful. There's no cookie-cutter approach. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to go to MBA programs. We want to go to the newest business consultant. No offense, Robert. You know, I've, I've worn that hat as well. As well, We want to go to the newest, you know, whiz-bang philosophy and leadership theory and, and get some systematic leadership approach that instantly makes us respected as a leader. And it's not how it works. I mean, listen to all the terms that we've been, we've been throwing around. I mean, you know, process, character, integrity, loyalty, leader, you know, lack of ego, putting the time in, you know. It's not instant gratification. It's, it's an absolute process. And it's an absolute, you have to be proactive, you have to engage in it, and you have to, you know, the best quote I ever heard about trust was, you know, trust is you have to keep depositing your trust account with others, and the deposits are easy, but the withdrawals are very costly, and it's the same thing with respect. You have to constantly earn that respect and deposit in that respect account, and it grows financially, you know, and, and, and gratefully over time. But those respect withdrawals, they come out at a very costly premium, you know, or interest rate, whatever you want to call it. 
Well, everybody always remembers the bad part anyway. So if you're talking about building a perception around an individual um, to either gain respect or keep respect, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna focus on those negative aspects. Respect is relative, and when we're looking at it in a military lens, you we can think of multiple different things that we respect right off the bat. You know, just principles and certain like acts of heroism and all that. But respect is also, it's huge in a culture. And how are we going to tell the veteran who's transitioning out how to find ways to respect people who have never been in the military or even know about that world? You hit the nail on the head with that one, man. Like that is, you just opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah. Because we, we, and this is where that ego comes back into play, right? We do 20 years in military. Hell, we do two years in the military. And all of a sudden, we do something cool. We think we did something cool. And we think that everybody else should consistently reward us for that cool, respectful act that we did for the rest of our lives. And, and that's absolutely not how it works. I mean, go on LinkedIn. And sorry, apologies, Robert, for my soapbox. But you know, hire a master sergeant over an MBA. Do this, do that. It's up to civilian companies to understand what veterans need. And I'm consistently going, no. This is not how the world works. We are a minute microcosm of society. There's a bigger world out there. We have to transition ourselves, check our egos at the door, and earn the respect in a whole new environment. And yes, that means if you did 30 years and you retired as a colonel, a general, a command sergeant major, whatever, I don't care. Nobody gives a rat's ass outside of the military. And once you go into that civilian organization, again, we have to position ourselves and re-earn that respect. And so many people I deal with daily just cannot do it. They cannot check that previous rank or those previous cool things at the door and move on into a new role. You're providing training right now in your current role, Scott, you know, in, a, in the organization you're belonging to. Maybe you can kind of talk about a little bit here because I think, you know, a lot of people might be transitioning out and going into a project management role or going into a position where, of course, as we're talking about, respect needs to transition. Uh, but one of the first things you do, especially as a project manager or a project leader, is ensure that you earn their respect of each subject matter expert to ensure that you can get and influence the deliverables that have to be met by some end date or deliver on some promise at the end of it. It's it's massively important, and that's exactly what the course that we're delivering now is all about. It's about understanding civilian terminology to better transition you, to better allow you, in essence, to gain that respect when you talk to somebody, when you interview with them, because you're not, you know, talking Roger, who, or this, that, you know, whatever. You're talking civilian project management, and you're talking to the level, because military people, that's why I love these courses and what I'm doing. So I'm in a position daily to where I get to talk to veterans and talk to people through Veterati or the Green Beret Foundation or the Special Forces Association anywhere and I, and I get to try and tie these things together and, and help educate people on all the problems. I mean, Robert, you wrote a whole book on it, right? I mean, Master the Transition and, and it's fantastic. We're all trying to help and yet everybody just puts their blinders on and keeps walking forward and they put their fingers in their ears and their blinders on and they just don't want to hear it and they don't want to receive the message and then we bitch on social media nonstop about, well, the civilian company didn't hire me or I didn't get this job or I didn't get this role. I'm worth 200000 dollars a year well you're not worth anything unless you can earn that respect tying this you know little bow on it right if you if you don't demand that respect when you interview or when you take that position you're not worth anything that organization and those organizations are concerned with the bottom dollar because they're not the military that's the second plug i got in my book i'm loving this in two podcasts i know i saw that too thanks scott without plugging it back so i was like good pro quo man look at those sunglasses yeah it's like 
But I, I mean, just like, I mean, it's hard, you know, like if you were to serve for 20 plus years and then going into a position, I think you do need to be level headed about things. But I also think that if your employer is looking for somebody who has um, what they know, which is probably very vague about the military and the leadership style, but to kind of be a little bit more open minded on what their skills are. You're shaking your head no. Absolutely but, disagree. They are this, not open minded. They don't care. I know, but that's the thing. <laughs> but this is what this is what I'm saying, though. I mean, honestly, like a good boss would want to know what they have to offer. But if, as a military service or a serviceman, woman, whatever, going into a new job, a corporate job, there's always like a time and place. You know, you have to like go through your adjustment period, and then when you're given tasks and given projects, and I mean, show your strengths and what you learned from the military. Like show the the things that. What, what you can bring to the business that they might not know. So you're kind of like, it's a lightly like, Earn know, that respect. I, right. I agree with you. You have to earn that respect of theirs by showing them what benefit that you bring to, to that institution or that organization. I love how you said it in the very beginning, though, Scott, because the truth is, as you start thinking about this, and I, I know we kind of switched gears from military to civilian, but let me take you back. I mean, if you go into a unit, and let's say you do have a bunch of trinkets on your chest or on your um, sleeve or something like that, walking in the door and believing that people are going to give you instant respect, it's not going to work that way. You know, people are going to look at those things and they're going to start sizing and measuring you up, how you approach them as an individual and a person. And that's the exact same thing that goes on in the private sector. The thing is, is that you're not walking in the door with a trophy case like you do within the military. In the military, you know, you may have all kinds of stuff that's on your chest that says you went to jump school, ranger school, like you said, special forces or whatever, sapper, and, you know, give me all those trinkets up on my uh, my chest and, you know, uh, recon, uh, whatever the thing may be. You got all those things that are on there, but yet you're not carrying that trophy cha- uh, case with you when you walk into a, uh, an interview process. You don't have a trophy case like that out here in the private sector when you walk into leading a project or going um, to a new role in a new position. So it's not like you're like walking in there and going, hey, listen, just want you to know right here, here it all is in this nice little box. This is me. I'm going to put this right here on this table so we can have a conversation now. No, it's on the back of their pickup truck in the parking lot. Well, that's you know, true. It's, it's, a, it's all the stickers and all the CIBs and the airborne wings there at the Austin. No, but you're right. I mean, we, we expect that there's this, you know, heraldry that accompanies us because, I mean, but the best example I can think of, right, is have you, if you've ever met a Medal of Honor winner who's living, they are the most humble, down-to-earth people, and yet instantly, any veteran instantly respects what they've done, and they carry that, and yet they're never out there. Like, I've never met a single living Medal of Honor winner, and I've met a couple that have, you know, been wearing the I got the MOH t-shirt, you know, or whatever, if they have to wear the medal for an event because of the formality or whatever, but we all know who they are. Look at Kyle Carpenter at the University of South Carolina, right, the, the chicks, uh, chicks dig scars. He's out there just living his life as a college student, is a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient, and a hell of a valorous Marine, and he's instantly demands all his respect. He just wants to live his life and do that. But So when we talk about the actions that we do, some of them are at this level, but so many of them are just normal daily actions, and yet because of our own ego and internal vices, we try and promote our own, oh, I was a Green Beret. You know, Everybody in the world respects Green Berets. We can do this, we can do this. I should be COO of this company just by default. This guy wasn't a Green Beret, right? I'm a pararescueman. I'm a CST. Everybody who's not that is less than me, right? And we, we try and org chart these people based upon on the tabs that we've earned and decorations that we've gotten. And that is absolutely not how it works outside of the military. And nobody gives a rat's ass about what you did prior. You know, they're all saying, like, 
That's what you did yesterday, but what have you done for me today, right? That's the best example of civilian companies that I can give people. Well, and again, it's it's when you transition from one company or unit or however you want to define it within the military, the same thing is going to apply. You may have the respect of the people around you because they saw your capabilities and the skills and the things that you accomplished while you were with them, but that leaves as soon as you walk out the door and transition to a new unit where you're having to earn that respect all over again. And we see people who struggle going through the military, going from unit to unit, you know automatically this guy or this gal is going to struggle when they walk out the door. They don't understand the basic principles of what we're talking about here. And yet, you know, it's one of the seven army loyalty values, right? Like respect, selfless service, all that stuff. And we don't get it because we don't, we don't put enough focus and energy onto it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely have something to say. I mean, the sages are firing back and forth on the, the transition and respect. So, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are putting out. But, uh, I mean, I just have, a thought to put out. Um, if you if you think that, I mean, obviously, the military person who gets out with a chip on their shoulder because of what they did, and they expect to be recognized in this civilian world with it. You said uh, Sky has like blinders and like kind of earplugs on, but um, taking taking the, the the flip of that is like if that person kind of puts those things aside and then moves into what like what kind of interaction with then the civilian sector is kind of what will eventually demand the respect and what i'm thinking is like yeah i i've done some things in the military and i'm not expecting it's kind of like i'm not expecting to gain respect from those things however i definitely think that as people know that i was in the military but i'm like very open-minded and i want to ask a lot of questions and listen to them that kind of right there gains like gives me respect because they were expecting me to possibly play the card. Hey, I was in the military. I did this. They're almost expecting me because it's normal for that chip on the shoulder to be presented up front. I agree with you. And I think that that's the minority response of, of I'm not trying to typecast, right? Like I am, believe it or not, everybody listening, I am a massive veteran supporter and massive veteran transition, you know, supporter going out into the world and doing exactly your approach, Brian, and saying, you know, I'm going to earn your respect. And if you happen to notice that I was a pararescue man or in the Air Force and, and respect me for that on top of it, great. That's a secondary effect, right? Even even better. Yeah, it's, but, almost like, it's almost like I'm noticing you more than you're used to ever. Like I'm listening to your questions. I'm making a lot of eye contact and like all that stuff, body language and all that. And then they're going to be like, wow, who is this guy? You know, I want to notice them a little bit more. And then they're like, oh, wow, you did what in the military? Like, tell me a story. And that kind of, like, opens it up to you can actually mold some of your experiences and what you've done to their questions and, and gain respect. Exactly. You're, you're saying my points for me, right? You're saying you're going to mold your experiences to them. That's exactly what, what I'm trying to say, and I think Robert's seconding as well, is that we have to get over ourselves and actually figure out what that individual or that organization is actually looking for and mold ourselves to their expectations and earn that respect within those new communities. But when you do it like you're doing it, it works all the time, right? Because you, you take that quiet professional, that humble approach, and you go in and you, you are who you are based upon the experiences. And I talk daily now about the Q course to people, right? I get to talk about the, the lessons I learned in the Q course, simple Army 101 stuff, right? Like basic non-commissioned officer stuff, like nothing advanced, nothing crazy. And, and it's amazing how many civilians go, oh, wow, that's really cool. 
but I've earned their respect because of the position that somehow, by the grace of God, I've attained that I can talk to them at that level. Now, if I haven't earned their respect and I still try and talk to them at that level and I walk into a company in a job interview and say, this is exactly why you should hire me. I was an 18 Charlie in Army Special Forces and 5th Special Forces Group, you know, Strength and Honor, the Legion, you know, all this other stuff, right? And I try and bully them, for lack of a better term, into accepting me because I'm trying so hard to earn that respect and show them all my previous accomplishments, they're doing exactly opposite of what you're talking about doing, Brian. So I'm going to applaud you for your approach and say, like, I, I'm agreeing with you 100% that that's exactly right. Think about the people who uh, come and give a presentation or introduce as a new person within an organization, especially if they're at a senior level. It's not usually the person that's going to give the speech, and God forbid if they do, stands up there on the podium and begins their speech by just saying, hey, listen, I'm going to run down through my resume here, my accomplishments and the things that I've done. So that way you'll have a, a, some place to benchmark of who I am and why it's so important that I'm standing behind this podium giving you. Only Navy SEALs get with that. <laughs> bad, 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 Scott. So the, the crazy thing, though, is that usually that occurs by the person giving the introduction, and they may may say that and you, because of that you may gain a little bit of respect or your ears may per, uh, perk up because this person's about to speak but usually that person is humble and when they get to the microphone they say gosh Scott thanks for such an intro um, actually uh, you know whatever and then they go on to, to state something else um, I think that kind of sets the tone right there allow and we did a show on humility that is kind of what we're talking about too allow others to describe it, or when the time comes up, you can describe your accomplishments and thing you've done, uh, things you've done. But the truth is, if you actually demonstrate it and show it, then people will see it. They'll see it through your actions. Yeah, and there's the men that, yeah, they've been there. There's memes and stuff that are out there that says something like, uh, "Your actions are so loud, I can't hear what you're saying." <laughs> 100% agree with you, and we're back to the very first point that I think Brian or Kat made about being timely and earned, right? So if you throw the word timely on what you just said, Robert, and say over time and, and being timely with your recognition of what you've done previously, injecting that into pieces of future conversations and going forward, that's earning, taking the process that Brian keeps saying and earning that respect over the process by timely injections of past performance into future opportunities, right? So exactly right again it's a process it's time driven and you can't earn it instantly but that's the problem we want it instantly because of the sacrifices we've made historically i mean if we were going to circle back even further on that we're talking about things like if if respect is something where you're admiring somebody for their abilities qualities and achievements then you've got to be able to do the same thing for them as they are for you Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, respect, give respect, loyalty, and trust, as we talked about, are things that are actually given over time. They're not earned overnight. You have to earn those things. Unless you're in the military, and again, we're talking about a position or rank, and it's the same thing within the private sector. For those individuals who are in the military and thinking that things are going to change when they get out, you have positions of authority within the private sector as well that you're going to respect their title or their position, uh, but the same thing applies. Now, I'm still trying to Google the Inc. article that Robert referenced earlier so I can actually sound intelligent on this thing. You know, we kind of did a little plug or talked about you, Scott, and what you're doing currently right now. Maybe this will be a good time for you to tell us about the organization that you're actually work with because we've been having some conversations about that and some of the great things that you guys are doing for veterans. And I know it's not something that we actually have planned for part of the podcast in terms of respect, 
but I think it kind of tied in very nicely. And of course, for those individuals that are out there who are veterans or individuals that's going to be making the transition, then uh, this is a, a really good opportunity that you guys are rolling out. Well, Brian, watch what I do here. So at the Institute of Project Management, we respect the skills and experience that veterans have acquired over their, their time and their service. And we couple that skills and experience with project management knowledge in a three-day course called the ARC program, which is Advanced Recognition and Certification, um, which we're running nationally going through. So basically, if you're a junior NCO or higher, you leave the three-day certification course actually understanding relevant and practical and applicable project management and you know how to apply those skills, and most importantly to the veteran, they are certified as a either a certified project professional or a certified project master, depending on the rank when they entered the program, um, for life by the Institute. So it's my job as a special programs manager to bring this course to different entities within DOD and defense contracting companies and educate veterans so that as we integrate back into civilian society, they really know the language and they can really talk and instantly earn the respect of their peers throughout the organization because of the knowledge that they bring. Because project management and veterans go hand in glove and we're almost doing a disservice by making them not talk and be able to chat to their civilian peers in a manner that's resident or that's not um it doesn't show and highlight that experiences that they've gained and the skills they've gained because I am educating retired command sergeant majors that their, their senior project management level in the civilian world and watching the light bulbs go off on that. And, and not everybody in the course is sergeant major, but you know, across soft and across DOD, the impact that we're having already is pretty fa fantastic. So again, for all the haters that you know get bad because I, I mock some people, whatever. I spend hours daily trying to help transition issues and trying to help whatever for different organizations across the strategic partnerships that the institute has gathered, um, including mentors for military. So um, we want to give back as much as we can and help everybody who's ever put out uniform or served. That's my flag waving spiel for the moment. No, I think it's pretty awesome what you guys are doing, and it of course, is, it is awesome. Like, yeah. Uh, no sarcasm at all. It's it's an awesome course. It's cost effective. It's time effective, and it sets veterans up for success. So, awesome. um, yeah, if you want more information, it's PMX Papa Mike X Ray dot events, and you can see all the upcoming courses. We have one next week in Tampa, and two weeks from now in Fayetteville. You know, I know there's a lot of military that's actually down in that area. Is this something that you can do while you're still on active duty, or do you have to wait till you separate? No, nope, you can. Um, in fact, the, the biggest compliment that I had was by a different sergeant major in the pilot course who said, Scott, this should be in ACAP, this should be in the ANOC course, this should be in ACAP, the transition assistance program, it should be in Soldiers for Life, this should be in the education center, this should be everywhere. And as his head was spinning, I'm going, those are all conversations I'm already having with all these different organizations. So it's, it's my job, literally, to build the networks and to build nice. the ability for veterans in active duty or prior service to get into these programs, three-day commitment of their time, and then transition to the civilian world and actually be set up for success rather than failure. So unlike many, you know, when I say I support these issues, I put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, no, that's really, <laughs> like I said, it's really cool. A lot of the good stuff that you guys are doing out there. No, and appreciate the plug. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. I mean, again, I think it kind of tied in nicely. We actually talked about it before, and somebody's probably going to be listening to the front end of the podcast and going, okay, what is he talking about? Because I kind of gave you the opportunity to say something about project management, so I thought it might be good to at least tie that in and under have people understand how you're related to I don't to want that. to seem too salesman. Anybody that knows me, including my bosses, will tell you I'm a pretty crap salesman. So uh, I'm more on the strategic partnerships, like how I can tie the whole thing together rather than trying to plug it and do whatever. But um, 
no, it's 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 a really awesome program, and it's it's really cool for you to allow us to to have a platform to speak about on the show. So I, I do sincerely thank you. Yeah, well, we're on the uh, bulletin board stuff in the back of all the the uh, Vince and stuff that you're hosting. Mm-hmm. You guys have put you're the right. logo up there, which is awesome. So appreciate you're on that. there, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah, and I have a ton of buddies that will be doing the transition soon. I'm transitioning right now. Uh, so, so the really cool it. plug for the day, and this is a hundred percent free. My bosses are giving me the authority to say between now and December 31st, if you're uh, if you have military skills and experience, so if you were at least a sergeant or staff sergeant rank and you've done any type of project management training, all you have to do between now and December 31st is email me your CV and proof of training, and we'll certify you by the institute for free for life. So there's no charge, there's no anything between anybody listening to this show that has 30 hours of project management training, so a boot camp, a PMP, anything. And military experience, if I can tie that to a certification within our organization, I absolutely will, and there will not be a charge to you at all. Wow. Uh, what, what's the uh, email that they can send that to? Uh, my email. So it's scott.kinder, S-C-O-T-T dot K-I-N-D-E-R, at institute dot P-M, like project management. It'll be getting an email. Yeah, I'm telling you. 100% sincere offer. And gotcha. so the, the co-founders, of the, the my bosses and the co-founders, one's a retired Australian Defense Force major and one's a retired uh, economics professor from University System in Australia. They are passionate supporters of this. Every time we run a course, we get 5% of the course back to the Green Beret Foundation and 5% back to the Special Forces Association. We have strategic partnerships. I'm landing more partnerships by the day trying to help veterans actually get into civilian employees. So I'm building networks of companies that tie together. Um, this is my passion, and this is this is what I do. So I'm not trying to make this all, the All at All Scott show. And, Robert, I apologize. But that offer is very, very fantastic, and I'm 100% sincere. Email me, and the worst thing you'll have to do is call you and, and assess your project management verbiage, and but you will be certified at some level cool. if yeah. you have the training. Yeah, excellent. Cool. Sounds great, man. Go check out the sunglasses and everything at skeletonoptics.com. Be sure to go check that out. And Brian's been looking awfully cool in his new uh, new skeleton optics. Go take advantage of that between now and uh, Veterans Day, November 11th. And you can use the code MENTORS, the number 4MIL30. And that'll actually give you 30% off the decoy uh, multicam as well as the decoy Patriot sunglasses. And then use the code MENTORS, the number 4MIL, for 10% off of any other pair. And you get free shipping and uh, some tiny and handcrafted sunglasses that are Carl Zeiss lenses. Really good sunglasses. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four MIL, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio.